Hi, my name is Eric Scheffler, and I am the Atlanta County Sheriff. Each month on the Hope Exists podcast, I will discuss how we can create a healthier and safer community from the Boys and Girls Club right here in Atlantic City. Through my conversations with local and national experts, as well as youth from the Boys and Girls Club itself, I believe we can all come away with a renewed sense of hope and an actionable solutions to move forward as a community. Good afternoon, everyone. Here we are on our podcast today, and uh, I've been lucky enough to have some incredible uh, guests and a co-host as well. So first, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Richard, and he's right from the Boys and Girls Club in Atlantic City. Uh, I'm also, I, today I have Melanie Reed with us from Reed's Farm, no relation by their last names. Um, and of course, I have Brian Dur Darius, also from Reed's Farm. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, food and food insecurities in our area and some of the things that Reed's Farm is doing, not only to help those uh, out in the community when it comes to food, but also uh, helping to build uh, relationships with a lot of different other communities, like those people in special needs uh, and some of the veterans group stuff that you're doing. So uh, healing our community as a whole. So some really great stuff. I'm really excited about uh, today's guest and, and some of the things we're going to talk about. So let me real quick uh, introduce uh, Melanie and Brian and tell you a little bit about them. So Melanie is the program director of Reed's Organic Farm, and Brian is the farm manager and compost specialist at Reed's Farm. And uh, so the, both of their roles uh, entail different things, but uh, I think that you know Reed's Farm has a really great um, system when it comes to working together as, as individuals. So we'll talk about how both of their roles kind of play together uh, today. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Melanie, and how you end up in uh, South Jersey at Reed's Farm bearing your uh, name. Sure. Um, hi, everybody, and thank you for having us on the show today. My name is Melanie Reed, and I moved here from my native New York City this past September. Uh, specifically for this job at Reed's Organic Farm. I had been working in a job that I loved for years, um, teaching therapeutic horticulture classes in New York City. Um, but then COVID hit and changed everything for everybody. And I was no longer able to teach my classes in person. And I'm really a big advocate for experiential learning, and I love working outdoors. I love working with the soil. So I started seeking out other opportunities, and I found this one at Reed's Organic Farm, and it really seemed like a perfect fit for me because it was kind of the culmination of all of my interests. Um, I'm really passionate about local and organic food production. Um, I love working with plants and animals, but I particularly love pe working with people in those settings. And so this role of the programming director really appealed to me because it um, provided an opportunity for me to connect with different groups in the community, um, specifically groups who could benefit from finding a healing relationship with nature. And that is where I want to focus my career. And so this opportunity really spoke to me. Um, I applied for it. I came down and I visited the farm 
and I just fell in love with the land and the area and, of course, all of the people I get to work with on the farm. So it's been a wonderful, I guess, about eight months now, um, and I'm really excited to see how we'll continue to grow in the future. Well, that's great. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here. And, you know, you spoke about nature and people, right? And we know uh, that there's one of the things about resetting stress, right? Resetting anxiety, um, those of us that suffer from post-traumatic stress, uh, that that connection to nature really helps to ground us again. Uh, no pun intended, <laughs> but it's true, right? And mm -hmm. and and that can, and you see really incredible changes in in humans when they get to connect with nature, right? And mm -hmm. out there, and we we are all inside, especially during the pandemic over the last year. You know, you're almost like imprisoned in your own home mm -hmm. um, but to get out there and, and smell that fresh air and and get your hands dirty and see the animals and and interact it really can change people's lives mm -hmm. which is truly amazing mm -hmm. brian tell tell us a little bit about you um i grew up in cape may county <coughs> excuse me um always was a outdoorsy person as a young man, I always took on jobs, construction jobs and landscaping jobs and stuff like that. I always loved to work outdoors. So um, that's when I, I'm going to make a long story short, actually. But uh, that's when, you know, I really realized that um, I'm a construction hands-on kind of person. Um, and then... You know, I ended up going to Stockton College and staying up in this area, um, up in the Atlantic City area, after I graduated Stockton. Ended up uh, founding a, a organic landscaping business and worked with Cookie um, for a number of years, which everything to me is um, serendipitous and it goes full circle. So that's why I'm even mentioning any of this stuff because, um, you know, being introduced to Cookie uh, with, with my own practices and stuff like that set me up to then later on in the future uh, get a job at the farm. But what had happened in between was kind of interesting because everything is intertwined I took a year off from my business after like 13 years, and I ended up uh, making pizza for Tony Bologna's, working for Mike Hawk, which great guy. Pizza's and, wonderful uh, too. <laughs> yeah, pizza's awesome. I learned how to actually make it, so I loved it even more, um, along with tons of other recipes. So my point is, I took this restaurant job, which is completely different from landscaping, but for some reason, I knew it was going to tie into the future. So I um, learned a bunch of recipes. I was a cook. I was a manager in the front of the house, back of the house, running the register. Uh, I even ran the farmer's market truck uh, for Tony Bologna's, making mozzarella, selling pizzas on, on the truck. Um, one of the farmer's markets was one of Cookie's markets. And you keep speaking about Cookie. Cookie is uh, one of the owners of Reed's Farm. So we're talking about Cookie Till. Cookie Till. And yeah. she's a wonderful person. She really she has uh, brought a lot of life into that farm and her energy and 
and her time, and, and we also have Lenny Vaccaro as well. Mm -hmm. um, there, he's the chairman of the board of uh, Meaningful Purpose, which That's is right. the um, the LLC nonprofit that runs Reed's Farm. Two two incredible human beings. Just yes, absolutely. Yeah, Lenny Varvaro and Cookie Till, um, the two founders of uh, Reed's Organic Farm. Um, they so. Going back to the farmer's market, at one point I saw Cookie and she's like, what are you doing <laughs> working this truck? Like, you, you're a landscaper, you, you know. And I said, well, you know, I'm just trying something new. Uh, to fast forward a little bit, um, I basically was laid off of a seasonal position at Tony Baloney's. Um, and it was only about two months later that I ended up talking to Cookie and she had told me that she was, uh, she had something like on the back burner that she was thinking about starting. And, um, she wanted to see if I wanted to get involved. And it was only a couple conversations later that, you know, she was offering me a position as a farm manager. Um, and I said, no, at first, uh -huh. because I was like, I've never been a farm manager. I don't know what it's like to run a farm. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't fill those shoes. <laughs> and farming is a lost art, especially, you know, yeah. um, in South Jersey in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some great farmers out there producing some incredible food, but uh, really people aren't farming anymore. And, and no. you know, community right. farms aren't really existing. And even, um, you know, your private-owned gardens were, have been shrinking away. And it's something that you, you've, both of you have worked really hard to kind of bring back to our area. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that as well. Uh, but I want to ask Richard, do you have any questions of our guest? Um, this question is for Melanie. Um, when I was at the farm, I saw the greenhouses, and I wonder what kind of plants are growing in there? That's a wonderful question. Um, so the greenhouses, which were very generously donated to us by supporters in the community, um, have enabled us to grow produce all winter long, which of course during the winter when it's cold and cloudy, not much is growing outside, but we were able to grow all sorts of fresh veggies and even flowers this winter, which is something that surprised me. I wasn't sure that we would have flowers blooming in the winter because of the low levels of light, but it was really successful and we were growing different salad greens like lettuce and different mustard greens like arugula. Um, we grew different root veggies like radishes, turnips, um, more greens like kale, chard, all sorts of stuff. And then the flowers that I mentioned, which were particularly special to me because it's rare to see flowers blooming in the middle of the winter. Um, and right now we're at a very exciting time at the farm because it's spring and we're switching everything over from our winter production to our summer production. So we're right in the process of pulling out the winter veggies from our greenhouses and adding our beautiful compost to the soil, um, preparing the beds. And we just started planting this week all of our crops for the upcoming growing season. So we'll be growing cucumbers, eggplant, peppers, tomatoes, and a few other things in our greenhouses. And the reason we grow those things in our greenhouses during the summer is because they love hot temperatures. Those plants come from like Central South America. So 
They really like the high heat, and those greenhouses will get very hot in the summertime. So they'll be happy in there. Yeah, I'll definitely beg in. I'll definitely be begging. Chef Pam, can we come down this summer? Yes, we hope to see you there. Absolutely. So I have a couple questions. Uh, so the food and the flowers that you produce during the winter, what do you do with them? We sold them in our market. Um, we try to donate as much as we can um, to some local partners we have, like the Community Food Bank of New Jersey um, and Angels in Motion we've donated to in the past. So whatever we don't sell in our market, we'll donate to some of our community partners. And we've also been selling some of our produce to Cookies Restaurant, Stephen Cookies. So you're able to get Reed's Organic Produce at her restaurant as well as at our market on the farm, which um, over the winter was just a weekend market, Friday through Sunday. But starting towards the end of May, we'll be open seven days a week selling our produce. And where is that market located? What's the address? 5075 Spruce Avenue. That's the farm's address. That's great. That's mm -hmm. great. So I heard something else, and I know Brian is an expert on this, uh, compost. And, I, and you know, what a difference that makes in, your, in the growth of your plants and nourishing it. But for the average person, what does that mean? And how do we produce that in order to help our own home and personal gardens? I'm definitely not an expert yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, composting is, is like so important um, when it comes to waste management. It literally turns your waste and refuse into um, usable nutrients for the soil and for the plants. Makes your plants healthier um, while simultaneously literally uh, cleaning the environment. And therefore less goes in landfills, right. which is really, really important now because yeah. we're full. Right. The earth is completely full of waste. Right. So how powerful is that to be able to take the waste products and, and create nutrients and to grow other food, right? So what can we compost? Um, okay, when done properly, you can compost anything um, that can break down. I mean, anything. Right. Um, can you give us some examples? Sure. What you, wanna, what you wanna start with if you're just starting the compost and, you, and you're just starting to get the feel for it is vegetative waste, which would be um, things that you're not gonna eat that were grown, but they, you're not gonna eat like peels, like banana peels, apple peels, um, you know, the ends of vegetables, things you're not gonna eat, like the cores of anything, the rind, you know, orange rinds. Even though they say orange rinds are a bit acidic, they have a, a bit too much acid to put into a compost pile, but that's only if you're dumping like a, a, a whole lot. You can, you can put orange rinds in your, and lemon peels and lime and all that citrus stuff is fine. It'll all break down. So, so I, I take my leftover vegetables or mm -hmm. the waste of that and, and I put it in a pile in the backyard, do I have to do anything to it to encourage it to break down? Well, if you start with, uh, it's, it's a whole process. So if you start from when you have the peel in your kitchen, if you cook in your kitchen, most people cook in the kitchen, and you have like a little bucket of some sort with a top, 
because now that it's getting warm, if it's open, you're going to get fruit flies. And mm. most people don't like fruit flies in their house. <laughs> Some people might. Um, but the cover is important. And um, a little ventilation is important. So it doesn't, it's not super, super sealed. Um, but once you have a full bucket, take it outside and find a designated area if you have that, um, you know, outside. Some people, if they have the yard, they will, you know, the space in their yard, they will designate an area and just like, you know, dump all of their refuse in that pile. And you have to flip it every so often. You have to literally take it and flip it and it adds air to the pile and, uh, and the air is essential to breaking down the waste into, um, it just breaks it down so that the plants can really assimilate it right. and so eat it. Do I add, you know, leaves and you dirt? You can add leaves. Does that help the breakdown at all? Do I get some worms? You don't have to add dirt. <laughs> you can add leaves is are really good. Um, to get a little technical, most of the most of the waste that you're going to take out of your house, the peels and everything, are nitrogen. So you need a combination of nitrogen and carbon okay. to make my a carbon good side. Carbon would be um, leaves, okay, wood chips, anything that is going to be. You could sort of say to yourself like something that's not wet, like the the nitrogen and the peels are like a. a on the wet side, okay. the nitrogen is the dry stuff. You put them together, and they uh, synergistically so create ca carbon and nitrogen process. We got to create that, and that will help the breakdown. Breakdown, and then yes. I got to stir it. Stir it up <laughs> every ten days or so. Okay, um, that's on average. I mean, that that will fluctuate depending on the size of your pile. Right. How about so. worms? So I add worms to it. Someone said that I once uh, was talking about composting, and they were saying that worms like eat, you know, thousand times their body weight in a certain period of time. Of course, they're not that heavy, but still. And then they actually the excrement. Yeah, castings. Excrement. <laughs> worm castings. Yeah, is what it's actually called. helps yeah. to break down the composting. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Worms actually eat. Uh, they eat the soil. That has all the organic matter into it, in it, inside it, and it goes through their system and gets broken down even more. You could say that um, a worm is eating like what's equivalent to meat, and then when it's finished, the byproduct of that meat is baby food, and the baby food is what the plants really, really thrive off of. Wow. Um, so it's like a situation like that, yeah. So I make this dirt, and then I right. can put it around my plants, my vegetables, and that will help them grow. Absolutely. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. And yeah. I've seen those little buckets um, online, so you can get them online. Uh, the little They come in all kinds of shapes and, mm -hmm. and materials. And uh, to confess a little bit, I have one on my counter. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. and we do have a pile out back, and we're working on it. Yeah. And, it, you know, and this year was our first year um, to actually start taking some of that dirt and putting it into our garden. Mm -hmm. And last year, honestly, was our first year to have a family garden plot. Very nice. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that as we go. Mm -hmm. Richard, do, do you have anything uh, to ask? Uh, yeah. Um, I was playing a, I play a survival game called Ark Survival Evolved. 
and you can garden, you know, you can grow your own fruits, vegetables, and crops. And they have a compost bin, and I was wondering, could you use fecal matter as a source? Great question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, there is a, let's see, it has to go through a process. It has to, to make it, you know, a, a short explanation would be that um, there is a, an arc, a temperature arc. So when you put manure in a pile, it's going to heat up. It's going to, it's going to start at where it's at, it's probably around like 60, 70 degrees, and it's going to heat up because of the uh, micro activity and the microbes doing their thing, proliferating and doing what they do. So the heat arc is going to go from like 70 to 160 degrees. And then once it peaks at 160, it's going to begin to come down. And that cooking will purify or sterilize that fecal matter to where you then can use it on vegetables. Hmm. It goes through a process. Um, like I said, it cooks and like all the harmful things um, that are in um, fecal matter that could hurt somebody, you know, if they, if they're to like, if it's in a vegetable or something like that, um, all that stuff is, you know, cooked out basically. Mm, Naturally, yeah. it's cooked out. So you got to take the temperature of your manure before you use we it. We do. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah, that's super cool. We have to huh? monitor huh. the temperature. That's a great question. And Richard. keep it logged. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. a big long uh, thermometer, about wow. three foot. Thermometer. Really? Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. That's super interesting. It really is. Yeah. Um, so, community gardens, right? So it's something that's kind of been lost over the years. Gardening um, is not lost in you know with flowers and plants, but when it comes to vegetables, right? And it's uh, kind of in the last couple of years you start seeing much more community gardens. Uh, you see, you know, people that are encouraged to uh, do gardens, home gardens. And it's interesting because I, I do a lot of work uh, in uh, many minority communities throughout Atlanta County. And uh, the um, Hindu community uh, tend to have these community gardens in their front yards. Mm. You know, and, they're, and some of them are kind of small, but it's amazing how much food that they actually produce. Yeah. Uh, and they have gardens in their backyards. But I, there's a group in Galloway that actually live in like townhomes. Very small. They, they have a little patch of grass in the front, maybe a little patch of grass in the back. And both, both of those patches of grass are filled with food. And, and so I, we were talking a little bit last year, my youngest daughter said, we got to have a garden, right? We got to raise vegetables. Uh, and so we did, and uh, we we put together a three by eight raised box, and uh, you know, truth be told, she built it. She did most <laughs> of the work. I was her handyman uh, assistant, and uh, we produced more food than we could actually eat. And, and in fact, a lot of it went rotten. And then one of my questions, of course, you know, to Melanie is, how do we, what do we do with that excess food? Uh, and I know there's a lot of places we could bring in and, and help other people. And, but what happens if we need it ourselves? Is there ways for us to preserve it, um, 
you know, so we can use it at a later date. Yeah, absolutely. Um, food preservation, kind of like what you were saying about home gardening or community gardening, is a bit of a lost art. Um, it's something that our ancestors practiced because they needed to before we had refrigeration and factory farming and you could get whatever you wanted at the grocery store at any time of the year. Um, people practiced food preservation, whether drying food, pickling food, canning food. Um, and those are kind of culinary arts that have been lost because we haven't necessarily had the need for them. But I think it's really exciting that a lot of our cuisine here is bringing that back and it's actually becoming kind of trendy, especially now with COVID, people are stuck at home and they're looking for something to do. So a lot of people have been practicing pickling their food or preserving it in other ways. Um, those are things that we're excited to practice at the farm and hopefully host some workshops on in the oh, winter. Um, but it brings... I'm in. I'm in. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, but it brings new flavors into your diet. And actually kind of similar to what Brian was saying about the healthy microbes in the soil, fermenting your food, which is a way of preserving it, actually introduces healthy microbes into your gut, which has an incredible impact on your health. Huh. So preserving food is a fun way to learn a bit about science and um, connect with our past because mm -hmm. our ancestors did this and we have kind of grown away from it, but yeah. there's opportunity to embrace it in our own diets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, kimchi, can we make mm -hmm. kimchi? Yes, yeah. we um, can make kimchi. <laughs> I'm in. So, but it's interesting, you know, and, and it has absolutely been a lost art. And it's one of the things that uh, my uh, daughter Eva, you know, brought up to me and my daughter Maya as well. Uh, we were talking about, you know, having our garden again this year and, and what do we do with the excess? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're looking into, you know, learning how to can, learning how to pickle a little bit. I didn't really think about drying, but that's something that we should, you know, also look into as well. And, and although it's, you know, kind of a new uh, regenerated kind of concept and, you know, almost trendy, as you were saying, Look at the look at COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the truth of the matter is, many people that never thought that they would not have the ability to go buy food mm -hmm. were in that yeah. realm. You know, w with our food distribution points and uh, the drives that we did over last year, my office, uh, we fed over a hundred thousand people, and we had carloads and carloads, and we still do. We still have food drives in Hamilton the first of every month. We still support. Uh, Buna's drives as well as Atlantic City food drives and distribution and we're still delivering food to homes you know being able to produce your own food and then preserve it and have it is an amazing uh, ability to have some type of independence right mm -hmm. have some type of security for yourself and your family that I have food that I have pr produced mm -hmm. like you said our ancestors at one time produced enough food during the growing seasons uh, to not only uh, you know go through the winter but also to come back into the growing season again and still have all kinds of different foods to live off of. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's it's an art that has to be revitalized. It's you know, it's something mm -hmm. that is for all of us. And and I know Brian mentioned about you know land waste and conserving energy, you know, being more responsible. Well, if we're producing our own food in a lot of ways, aren't we being more responsible to the earth? and you know creating less waste as Absolutely. well so yeah. so I, I i'm excited yeah. about your workshop 
Uh, I'm going to be in it. Uh, I'm going to learn as much as I can this year so I can jar some stuff and maybe dry some food. Uh, Richard, do you have any questions? Not a question, but I do have something to say. Um, you know, gardening would be a nice skill to have for our future generations because as the earth slowly dries up and water disappears, we might not have what it what we need to survive. But for right now, let's enjoy what we have. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? That's incredibly insightful because you think about gardening, right? You think about growing food. Um, it there it, it is an art, and when we don't understand that art and how to replenish the earth, how to move crops, how to keep the earth healthy, uh, then the earth will die off on us. Mm -hmm. But the more people that understand farming, uh, both you know, in support of, of the efforts that you know you folks are doing at Reed's Farm, but also in their own homes, their own you know uh, backyards, their own community gardens, you you learn how to enrich that soil, mm -hmm. right? If we we give you know, back to the earth, the earth will give back to us. And, and it doesn't, right. we can't just grow, we can't just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So it's an art, not only for food, not only for survival, but also the rebirth of, of the earth itself. And mm -hmm. uh, it's an incredibly powerful. Uh, I'm excited about it. You know, we're lear learning so much around the house, you know, uh, composting and growing food. And it's really, really great. You know, and we're, we're excited about being part of it too. So thank you, Richard, so much. So, I mean, uh, I love the concept of, uh, of what you're doing there and that education's part of it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'd like to know a little bit more about how can people get involved with Reed's Farm? Yeah, I'll talk a bit about that. So um, in my role as the programming director, it's my job to lead our community outreach initiatives and identify groups within the community who could benefit from engaging with nature. Um, so some of those partnerships that I'm really excited to start up, some of which we've already started um, for this season will be with the Boys and Girls Club, um, New Jersey Courts, and also Jev's Higher Ability. So the mission of A Meaningful Purpose is to use our land, both to regenerate the farmland, um, to rebuild the health of the ecosystem and grow organic produce to feed the community, but also to enlist the help of different groups in the community and to empower them with the knowledge of how to grow their own food and to bring healing to them through a relationship with nature. And so we're really excited to host a summer camp program for the Boys and Girls Club and then I'll also be able to transfer some of the produce we grow there back to the club um, to be used in the culinary program to train some of the teens involved on a farm to table initiative. Um, and we were lucky to have some of those teens come and paint some shipping containers for us, which Richard was involved in. Um, it's really, really beautiful and it's a great addition to the farm. So we're looking forward to seeing how that will grow over the summer. Um, we're working with New Jersey Courts, who I was connected to by you, Eric Scheffler, um, and we are set up as a site for folks who 
are involved in recovery court to come gain some healing through a relationship with nature. And we're also set up as a site for folks who have mandated community service hours to come. Um, we actually had someone there today fulfilling some of those hours. And That's when great. he left, he expressed how he really felt that he um, accomplished something. So I'm happy to welcome people onto the farm to give them something to make them feel good about themselves. Um, that's a strong passion of mine. And then we will be working with Jev's Higher Ability to host an internship program this summer for young adults with developmental disabilities. And we're really fortunate to partner with them because they'll be able to pay those interns and I'll be able to teach them organic gardening skills and they'll also help out in our market space. So they'll learn a little bit about customer service as well as organic agriculture. And I'm so excited about all of these partnerships because not only will we be teaching people a vocational skill that they could use in their futures, but whether or not they choose to go into the farming fields, um, like I've said, having a relationship with nature can be so healing, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so we're really excited to share that opportunity with folks in the community. That's incredible. Some incredible things that you guys are doing there. I see, Brian, you're chomping at the bit a little bit. You got something to add? <laughs> um, hmm. I guess so, yeah. I mean, Melanie is awesome. I love working with her. I love she working with you, is, too. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're both awesome. She's just <laughs> <laughs> likewise. <laughs> I don't know. She's just the perfect perfect person for this position. Oh, yeah. thank you. And um, you're welcome. You deserve it. And you know, I just want to take a moment to say that Cookie and Lenny and Beth have taken their time uh, building this team for this dream of theirs. And um it shows. It shows that they've taken their time, you know, because the team we have is like literally like I can't stop thinking about Voltron because <laughs> everybody has their individual skills and then like we come together and, and we accomplish these these wonderful things. And we just got started. Like we're just it feels like we're just getting started. Mm -hmm. Um we had like a bonding situation that took place a couple weeks ago. And um, we were all in search for some kind of uh, something that would, that would give us all motivation. It was a tough winter for all of us. It was just a combination of like uh, the climate. The, the, literally, the, the, the weather was tough on us. Um, we had to take care of these animals and make sure they were you know, safe, and um, it was emotional for a lot of us. We lost a really, really important um, volunteer, um, a woman named Lisa, a couple weeks ago to cancer. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just been a really tough time at the farm, and uh, we could feel, we could all feel this, like, divide. So we had... Uh, we had a situation that took place, and um, I'm not going to go into detail right now. It uh, doesn't seem appropriate, but definitely sometime um, from now, not a problem at all. 
But my point is with this is that it took this thing to put us all on the same page and give us a sense of purpose mm. for once as a cohesive, you know, team. Like mm. I, I really felt that way. And um, so like now I feel like we're truly beginning to um, work along the lines of being more of like an activist farm, hmm. a farm that is active literally in the community, um, making efforts to make improvements hmm. uh, when it comes to race relations um, among, within the community, when it comes to um, <clears throat> just people, you know, obviously we, we've mentioned this a few times um, during this podcast, but the marginalized community, mm -hmm. you know, all aspects of that. Um, we really, as of two weeks ago or less, we're really starting to be like-minded in the fact that we want to change the community for the better. So, I mean, you said so many powerful things. Uh, I don't know where to start, but, you know, it goes boils down to, you know, how do you heal others when you're not healed yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you create Absolutely. purpose for others when you're not sure what your purpose is? So you did a super powerful thing, which, you know, you brought the group together in a healing process in a, you know, a way that you understand your purpose so you can actually do that for the community. Mm -hmm. And that's, right. it makes it a really incredible place to go. Uh, it's powerful. I mean, it's not just programs. It's not just an animal sanctuary. It's not just some place to buy food, but it really is a healing place, a place where a group of people who have done the work themselves mm -hmm. uh, to be able to help others to, uh, to do that. It's, you know, I'm you know so glad to have a little part of it or be a little, uh, not have a little part, right? <laughs> I don't have any of it. Um, uh, to be a little bit of it, you know, mm. and that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm just really, you know, proud to be associated with the farm in any way and, and to help out when I can as well. It really is a beautiful place, but you're doing such incredible work there and, and meaningful work. Mm -hmm. uh, creating purpose in people's lives is so powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, it's one of the most powerful things, you know, when we realize what our purpose is. And, and, and honestly, you know, depending on who you are and what you believe, uh, you know, I believe my purpose is to help other human beings, right? Not that I don't need help myself. I do. And I have to be able to recognize that as well. But, you know, when, when you're able to give gratitude uh, and you, that individual was at the farm, they were so excited about being able to be a part of it, you know, was working through the court system, you know, that was gratitude coming out. And that's mm -hmm. a powerful thing, right, to be able to see and feel gratitude, mm -hmm. see and feel purpose. So you're changing people's lives. Uh, and it's amazing. Richard, you got any questions? Um, just if you guys have any tips for anybody that would start making a garden. Great I question. I love that question, Richard. You first? Well, first, I'd like to say that I recommend everybody tries making a garden, even if you don't have outdoor space. Uh, there's tons of stuff you could plant on a windowsill. Um, you can even regrow a lot of kitchen scraps. So that's something that mm -hmm. I recommend people look into if oh, um, cool. they don't have outdoor space. But if you do have outdoor space, um, my 
Recommendation for a first step would be to practice your observation skills. Uh, gardening is all about observing nature around you and trying to work with it um, rather than trying to domineer it. Um, and I've got to say that that's also one of the most therapeutic aspects of gardening when you use your observation skills and you really try to be present in the moment and enjoy nature around you. Um, it'll make you a better gardener and it will probably make you feel better too. So this is the point in our podcast that we talk about one of my favorite things, which is food in general. <laughs> um, we spoke a little bit about it earlier, but let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. Melanie, your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese, probably, <laughs> which as a farmer, I should probably say some healthy vegetable, but <laughs> <laughs> I love mac and cheese. Uh, mac and cheese is one of the <laughs> you know, world-class comfort foods, and there's so many ways to make it, right? And so many things you can do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, it really is amazing mm -hmm. uh, food. I mean, it's so good that they make, make it into balls. They yeah. buy it. <laughs> we get it in casserole dishes. We put it on sandwiches. We <laughs> macaroni and cheese pizza, I'm sure, uh, Tony oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, So macaroni and cheese yeah, is pretty it's amazing. It yeah. you know, depends on what kind of cheeses you use and your slurry that you mm -hmm. make and your roux and all that stuff. And my wife actually makes a phenomenal macaroni cheese um it's a, it has a couple different cheeses has a little bit of mustard in it Ooh, nice. little, little worcestershire sauce Ooh. um it's really really magnificent how about you brian um what was the question favorite, <laughs> food. favorite, favorite food. food oh yeah <laughs> fruit i mean fruit it's got to be and and uh, Thai food, but ah, <laughs> a little Thai food in there, yeah. a little spicy. It's good, yeah. yeah. And and there's fruit in Thai, thai food, right? I'm you, sure. You get some, uh, it's got to be. Get some vegetable, uh, that's for yeah, sure. Some pineapple uh, fried rice or something. Oh little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, Yum. Little that sounds Little jalapeno familiar. and mango. Yes. I'm starving yeah. right now. It's <laughs> my heart. Yeah. Well, I've only experienced. I think one of two places in this area, Rama. Right. <laughs> Rama's the bomb. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> really uh, great food. Really awesome people. They Love have the a coconut service. soup yeah. that is magnificent. Yeah? Yeah, it really is. Really Sounds good. Sounds good. Every time we go, uh, my wife says, oh, we'll share a bowl. And then I give it to her and she eats all of it. So now <laughs> she has to get her own bowl. Um. <laughs> um, and then there's one in Linwood, a place. I don't know the name, but... How about you, Melanie? You have a macaroni and cheese place, or is it just homemade, or do you got some place you like to go? If so, I try to eat healthy, organic, local. Um, but Annie's mac and cheese holds a spot in my heart. All right. Um, but I am new to the area, so if anyone has any recommendations for a mac and cheese spot, I'm yeah. all ears. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> How about you, uh, Richard? What's your favorite comfort food? My favorite comfort food would be macaroni and cheese. All right, listen, <laughs> it's a good one. It, it, it really is good. It's 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 a wonderful uh, you know invention. Whoever made it, mm -hmm. you can uh, sneak veggies in there too. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you could put you know lobster in there and ham and <laughs> other things as well. Um, I I have so I have a pretty wide palate. Uh, it really depends on what I'm craving. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know, it's interesting. The one of the you know, I'm a big meatball guy. I love meatballs. Try them all over the country. Um, they're mag, you know, meat in a ball. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but you know, 
honestly, when I really just need something to make me feel better, because that's kind of our comfort foods, and I love mac and cheese. Uh, it doesn't always make me feel great, but it <laughs> goes down wonderful. Um, it's actually uh, steak, uh, mm. a good filet, perfectly medium rare, and my wife makes one of the best, honestly. Uh, every time we go out, we get filet. It's never as good as my wife's. Um, it, it, it Actually, just eating the meat, it actually makes me feel better, you know, and mm. I usually get like a Caesar salad or, you know, something like that. Um, and a good, you know, um, good real Caesar, like dressing homemade mm -hmm. is, it's just a great combination. It kind of just, you know, kind of makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Food can in general I, makes me I, happy. Uh, comment on that? Yes, please. Look into this. You may be iron deficient. Really? Hmm. So so if you, um, if you, we have a reservoir of iron and it gets depleted slowly from whatever, you know, your lifestyle. Stress? Yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure it has something <laughs> to do bit, with it. A little bit. If you replenish that iron reservoir with like 10 days of like intense steak. No, oh, just kidding. <laughs> supplement. Or supplement. spinach has a lot of iron spinach, too. Yeah. 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 I love spinach. I love spinach. Yeah. Well, well, why do you love spinach? Your body's calling for iron. Right. I love spinach. If you steak. fill that up and then you taper back off a little bit, I'm going to give it a you shot. You might feel better just overall. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So, just see that we learn think so about, much on something the podcast. About. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. I just want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, of course, Chaz and Jamie, we couldn't have done it without the two of you. And, of course, uh, Stephanie Cook, the director here, uh, what an amazing human being she is and, and so gracious to be a partner in this podcast. Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing so many positive things here, and we were talking about it earlier. It's not really just about these conversations, trying to create healthier communities, which we know correlates to safer communities, but it's also about you know getting uh, our youth interviewer involved and having them have a hand in the podcast, not only by asking questions, but also do, doing editing and graphics and, and other things and marketing, hopefully, as we move forward and kind of giving them a, you know, a voice and a ability to affect change through, you know, media. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's almost as exciting as these conversations, really. Truly. And it's one of the things that I'm so excited about doing these podcasts. Yes. Um, if people are interested in Reed's partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, um, we actually have an exciting opportunity for folks to support that. Um, Reed's Farm and the Boys and Girls Club are partnering to grow brighter tomorrows through education and exposure to gardening, agriculture, and farming starting this very spring. Our club kids have already visited the farm and enjoyed the oasis available to them. In turn, Reeds will be helping to maintain the club's garden, providing weekly lessons to our club kids on site. In addition, the harvest will be used through a farm to table program in our own kitchen. From kale chips to eggplant parm, we are excited to see what happens when they cook up their bounty. If you would like to support this relationship, donate. You can do so on the club's website, www.acbcg.org donate and mention Reeds to ensure the funding goes to this partnership. That's great, and, and what an important partnership that is um, with the club kids, and we're so happy to have Richard. You're going to come back and uh, help me out another time? 
Yeah, I'll be here. That's great. That's great. Do you have any questions before? You're, you're allowed to ask me questions as well. Well, it's not really a question, but there's not really a lot of macaroni and cheese spots around here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Kelsey's and Kelsey's and Kim's. Okay. That's really it. I haven't that heard of good. that one yet. Yeah. I still haven't been there. We'll have to all go get macaroni and cheese. I would love that. <laughs> I heard they have really good fried chicken stuff. Yeah, everything's pretty good. I've been in one since. Well, thanks, everyone. Hi, I'm Deborah Hamani, the Social Justice Director with Avanza. Please join us next time on the Hope Exists podcast as we discuss how to face our own implicit biases when treating people who struggle with addiction. There are many things that we can do to help those who struggle with addiction, but not without first recognizing their humanity and understanding how our own implicit biases and misperceptions can hinder efforts towards effective treatment. Join us for this important discussion. Thanks for joining us for the Hope Exists podcast live from the Boys and Girls Club in Atlantic City. 